You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, I pray at this time that as we are gathered together in your name, as we have heard and I pray received your holy word, that at this time, not my words, but that ultimately your living word would go forth and provide for us the life that is found therein. And these things I ask in ourselves we offer in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I introduce to you, we're going to be beginning uh, a preaching series uh, starting this morning. Uh, congratulations, you are here for the start. Uh, the lectionary, the lessons that are appointed to be read on Sundays uh, throughout the summer, we'll be uh, walking through Samuel, uh, first and second uh, Samuel in, in June, July, and uh, into a little bit into August as well. And so we'll have this opportunity um, to reflect uh, on what God had to say to the people during that time, the the gracious uh, and powerful ways in which he intervened. Uh, But also, not surprisingly, we'll have the opportunity as well to reflect on not only what specifically it tells us about God's interactions with the people of Israel at that time, but what it says about God's interaction with you and with me. Uh, The fact that this is very much uh, a living uh, word, a pertinent word, an applicable word, uh, what we might draw from this and the way that God continues to graciously intervene uh, in yours and my life, the way in which uh, God reveals himself and God guides us. And I'll say a few words by way of of context, not only for uh, Samuel 3, which we'll reflect on in a minute, but as we begin to look through um, this series. But one thing I'll, I'll say to you is that Uh, The time in which this was written was a time uh, that is in many ways similar to ours. And you may say, well, you always say that. Uh, But it's true. Uh, I'm not just making this up. Uh, It was a time of of tremendous um, transition in in leadership and in culture. You had uh, the leadership and the power for the people of Israel uh, in the ministry of the priests, and then it's being transferred to the ministry of the prophets, and then um, to the ministry of the kings. And one of the things that we'll hear and that we will read about is the people of Israel, and, and I'm not making this up, they will say, everyone else has a king, we want one too. Uh, that, is what, that is what they will say. We want to be like um, all the other kids around us. Uh, everyone else has a king, uh, we need a king too. Uh, And Samuel uh, is not a fan of that idea, not only uh, because of the reality which we know that that ultimately uh, we have one sufficient king uh, in God. Uh, We have uh, a leader. We have uh, a priest and and a prophet and a king and a mediator on our behalf uh, in God. And not only does Samuel resist this, uh, realizing Uh, the danger therein, uh, but it's possible to assume uh, that Samuel himself wasn't excited about uh, the transference of power from himself to another. So we have battles, we have power um, for control, we have um, 
interpersonal relationships that are fraught with all sorts of issues. We'll hear uh, about David and about um, Saul, uh, a lot of intrigue, uh, a lot that we will see and that we will encounter as we begin this. And I, and I want to share, as we think about this, um, I want to share a quote from a gentleman named Robert Alter. Uh, and Alter has written uh, some fantastic both uh, translations and commentaries, not just uh, on Samuel, but, but others, uh, books from the Old Testament as well. And Alter writes this about what we will encounter. He says, if history and the hackneyed aphorism is the story told by the victors, this narrative achieves something closer to the aim that Walter Benjamin defined as the task of the historical materialist to brush against the grain. He's talking uh, about Samuel and what we see portrayed uh, in Samuel. Lacking all but the scanniest extra historical evidence, we shall probably never know precisely what happened in Jerusalem and Judea and the high country of Benjamin around the turn of the first millennium BCE when the Davidic dynasty was established. What matters is the anonymous Hebrew writer drawing on what he knew or thought he knew of the portentous historical events And then hear this, has created this most searching story of men and women in the rapid and dangerous current of history that that still speaks to us, floundering in history and the dilemmas of political life 3,000 years later. He writes uh, of the author of Samuel that he has created this most searching story of men and women in the rapid and dangerous current of history um, that still Um, speaks to us. Uh, The currents, that which is um, beyond our control, the things that are flowing uh, around us, uh, speaks uh, the Word of God into this. And one of the things that we hear at the beginning uh, as Samuel is called into God's service is that the Word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. And I don't think it's accidental that it mentions the priest Eli uh, that his eyesight has begun to grow dim. Uh, He does not um, see, Uh, he does um, not hear, Uh, and Samuel is called uh, into God's service. But to back up uh, a little bit from that, uh, the story begins uh, with um, Hannah, his mother. Elkanah uh, had two wives. Hannah uh, was one and um, Penina was another. Y'all knew that. Um, I didn't have to tell y'all that, but that it begins um, with, with a man and two wives, yeah, Sister wives doesn't work now. It didn't work out well um, then. And, and as you might imagine, um, there was some... I'm glad someone else watches that show. Um, so uh, as, as you might imagine, there was some uh, friction between um, the two wives that existed. And year after year, they would go up to Shiloh uh, and they would offer um, their sacrifices. And Penina was able to bear children and Hannah was not. Uh, And not only um, did Hannah feel um, the burden of, uh, as she says, her womb uh, was closed, Uh, not only does she feel the the pain of that and the burden of that, and particularly in that time and that place and that culture, um, in many ways, one sense of worth, one sense uh, of merit uh, was based uh, in the ability to produce children, and not just children, but to produce sons. 
uh, and Panina was able to do so, and Hannah was not, and Panina would taunt um, Hannah uh, as uh, another child would come, uh, and they would go up, and, and she would offer, uh, Elkanah would give to Hannah a double portion to offer um, to the Lord, and she would um, offer this, and she would uh, end up in, in tears, and she would not eat, and at one point, um, Elkanah says to his wife, Hannah, sweetie, am I not like 10 sons to you? Uh, and of course, the answer is no. Um, she uh, had the love of her husband, uh, but, but she wanted to be able to have children. Uh, and particularly, she wanted to be able um, to have a son. Uh, she had the love of her husband, but she um, was incomplete. Uh, and she uh, felt incomplete. She was struggling. Uh, she was calling out and crying out to the Lord in year after year, they would go up uh, and they would offer sacrifice. And we don't have to be particularly insightful to imagine that she felt a tremendous amount of despair uh, in this um, situation uh, in her life and the relationship she was in. Uh, And again, she continued to go up though. She continued to offer sacrifice. She continued to pray. And in fact, we're told um, that she is praying and pouring out uh, her heart to the Lord and she is asking Uh, She is begging God to intervene, and as she does so, Eli, the priest, sees her, uh, and her lips are moving, but no sound is coming out, and he he, he says to her, hey, you need to put down the bottle uh, and turn into a decent woman, Uh, and she says, I'm not drunk. Uh, No, I'm not drunk. I've had nothing to drink. I'm pouring out uh, my heart um, to the Lord. Uh, Again and again, I'm praying to him, and I'm calling upon him, and he says, Go in peace, uh, your, your prayer, your petition um, will be answered. Uh, and indeed, of course, uh, as we read this morning, um, that is answered. Um, she is blessed um, with the son, and, and she makes a promise uh, to Eli, and she makes a promise um, to God that um, I will uh, give to you uh, my son, I will loan to you my son, for your service um, all the days uh, of his life. And so uh, we see wonderfully at the beginning um, of this story uh, the mixed uh, human uh, condition uh, and God's gracious intervention. We see the mixed uh, human condition and, and the perseverance uh, that, is, that we're so often um, called upon to employ um, in our lives, but we see Um, that God um, responds to imperfect situations and God hears and responds um, to imperfect people because surely um, Hannah's prayers were wonderful um, and were earnest uh, and uh, surely um, they were heartfelt. Uh, There's no, uh, I think, doubt uh, about any of that. And and yet, obviously, um, Hannah is is praying as well because she feels ashamed, uh, because she's tired um, of being taunted. And not only that, I think it's probably safe to say there is a tremendous amount of sincerity in her offering um, her son to the Lord's service, uh, but there's probably a certain amount of human maneuvering in there as well. If you give me a son, um, I will offer him um, to your service. God uh, intervenes in all this. And the reason that I share all this with you is one of the common things that we use as an escape when we think about God's call to you and to me, when we think about entering into God's service. One of our most common words which we use uh, as resistance is to say, well, you know what, I'm not good enough. Uh, not, 
not me. I mean, God, I'd love to. I mean, seriously, um, if I were more worthy, um, I would be glad to enter your service. If I were more equipped, well, then um, things would be different, but uh, I'm doing you a favor, um, God, is ultimately um, what I'm doing. I, I really would, but I, I'm, I'm just not sufficient um, to the task. I'm not equipped for the task. I'm not holy enough. I don't have enough to offer. And, and let me just say, um, that argument holds no weight whatsoever, absolutely none, because what we see repeatedly, and perhaps you've heard this saying before, um, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips those he calls. Uh, and the reality is, um, the only people that God has to call into a service are people like you and me, with mixed uh, motives, um, who uh, are a mixed bag, uh, faithful one moment, fearing um, the next, uh, consistent one moment and inconsistent um, another, uh, believing one moment, disbelieving um, another. The only people that God has to call um, into a service and into a relationship with him um, are wildly imperfect people. And we see God wonderfully, graciously uh, entering into this uh, and hearing the prayer of Hannah, of calling um, Samuel um, into his service. Uh, God uh, not giving up on his people. God um, entering into the human condition and the human situation. And one of the things that we hear about as well, as we think about call, and, and ultimately what you and I are called into is a relationship with God. Uh, it is, yes, called into service, but what we're first and foremost ultimately called into um, is into a relationship, a relationship where we um, value and love and cherish one another, a relationship where um, we hear one another. But of course, as you all know, listening is a tremendous challenge for us. Uh, it's a tremendous challenge. Uh, you know, as, uh, as we stand up here uh, and, and, and preach, uh, I'm not calling any of you out, but you know, you can often see this never happens to you all when you're talking to someone and they get that glazed over um, look and you say, you know what, they're here in body. Um, but, they've, but they've left me in spirit. They've left me in mind. One of the great gifts and blessings of being chaplain to the day school is in the first two rows, you have the fork, the, pre, the pre-K, the fours and the fives are in the front two rows. You know when you've lost them. Uh, there's no polite eye contact. They just slump over uh, and you think, all right, let us pray. Uh, it's time to wrap up uh, at that point. Uh, but we talk about listening, and, and, and that is such a, a challenge for us in, in our relationships with the people that we care about in our lives. It's a challenge in our relationship with God, the, the distractions which get um, in the way, the things that are constantly calling for our allegiance and our attention. And, and also, one of the things we see repeatedly throughout the Bible, and it's true of you and me, are our projections on God. Uh, we don't listen because we think, God, this is how you should be. This is how you should work. This is who uh, you should call into your service. This is the outcome um, that you should bring about. One of the challenges that gets in the way of our listening uh, is our projections, our our prejudices about the character that God should have and the way um, that he should act uh, in our lives and the lives of the people um, around us. Uh, And one of the things that I want to say as we reflect on, as we uh, think about God's um, call to you and to me, this opportunity for a relationship, which I will say is the only place that we will find uh, that purpose that we all long for. It's the only place that we're going to find that, that true freedom uh, and meaning 
that we long for in our lives, the sense that our, that our lives make a difference, the sense that our lives um, have a sense of purpose, the sense that our lives um, are, are making a difference in some way, that, uh, to be filled in a way that we all long for uh, and look to, the, the way that we're going to find that is in relationship with God uh, and with God's service. But one of the chief challenges, and I think this is something at, at any time, but particularly in our present time, and particularly in our um, present culture. Not, not only are we uh, a people at this time who, who do such a terrible job of, uh, of listening, we tend to talk at one another rather than talk with one another. And we, we tend to, uh, that tends to run over into our relationship with, with God as well and our listening and our hearing from Him. Uh, but one of the things as, as we think about this opportunity um, to listen uh, this opportunity to hear um, what, what God is communicating to us is the necessity um, for, for time um, spent with him and, and a realization for the different ways that that service might be employed, the different ways of what call um, might look like. Samuel was called to be a prophet, uh, one who, who shared um, the word of God um, to the people of God. Sometimes a word which was welcomed and well-received, sometimes a word which was rejected and or resisted. He was called to share with truth and with honesty um, the word of God um, which came to him. But there are so many different ways for you and for me to be called uh, and to enter into God's service. Uh, I reference quickly um, two things uh, from Matthew's gospel. When Matthew uh, records Jesus first sending out the apostles, what Jesus shares with them, and this is in Matthew 10, what Jesus shares with them is this, um, I'm sending you out to do the things that I've been doing, um, to raise the dead, uh, to heal uh, the sick, to give um, sight um, to the blind, to drive out demons, very dramatic uh, and fantastic things. Jesus says, I'm calling you, I'm equipping you, I'm sending you to do the things um, that I have been doing. Uh, And uh, of course, elsewhere, Jesus will say, um, greater things um, will you do than I have done. If you say, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there uh, and it will be accomplished. But if you remember Uh, Later in Matthew's gospel, in the parable of the sheep and the goats, uh, as this separation is taking place, uh, what does call look like in that instance? What does service to God look like in that instance? Well, I was in prison and you visited me. I was sick uh, and you cared for me. I was thirsty uh, and you gave me something to drink. Uh, I was naked um, and you clothed me. Uh, Things um, which are simple but are in response uh, to a relationship with God, a relationship where our lives are not self-determined, but determined and guided uh, by God. Uh, Simple things, uh, forgiveness uh, in our relationships, patience, uh, steadfastness, um, kindness. Share one final piece uh, of scripture with you this morning, uh, because basically what I'm trying to say to you is this, the amazing character of God who intervenes in our lives, uh, who intervenes uh, in creation, who is active and alive and involved uh, in human history on the grand scale, but also on the personal scale with you and with me. And this opportunity uh, and being called into relationship with him and what um, it might look like. Uh, In some ways, uh, it can look like something fantastic, but it can also look like something simple. And I share words now in closing uh, from Jeremiah 29. Uh, 
And uh, a number of years ago, I forget how many, uh, a friend of ours, Kendall Harmon, who's the canon theologian for the Diocese of South Carolina, was here, and he was doing some speaking and some teaching, and uh, he drew uh, from Jeremiah 29, and uh, Jeremiah 29 in there is uh, the verse which many of us uh, have heard, uh, and it's often, of course, uh, plucked out of its context, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, uh, plans to prosper you. Uh, to give you uh, hope uh, and a future. Wonderful words, um, true words. But Jeremiah, uh, on behalf of the Lord, is speaking to a people in a time of exile. They've been taken out of their land and they've been taken into Babylon uh, under Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, and was, what happened during that day, the, uh, the people um, were taken away and the youth were taken away from a place uh, with the desire to continue to discourage and decimate uh, a people uh, and so the people are calling out to God. And they say, what do we do in this situation? How do we respond to your call? How do we live um, faithful lives? How do we live lives in relationship with you when we are in exile, when we um, are confused, when we don't have any idea what to do? What does faithfulness look like to you in the context of this situation? And Jeremiah is, giving, is given these words which he shares with the people. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent in exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. So how about that uh, for call? Marry, build houses, plant um, gardens, uh, raise uh, a family, uh, and pray um, for the welfare of the city because in its welfare, um, you will find your welfare. Why do I share that with you in the context of our reflecting on God's gracious call to you and to me and what it might look like? Uh, and the reason is, uh, Kendall shared some words in this context which still resonate with me this day, and I hope they do the same for you. He said, what we see in this is faithfulness in little things is not a little thing. Faithfulness in little things is not a little thing when we, uh, when we care um, for those around us, when we um, share um, the good news of God with people uh, in their lives, when we uh, are people who are um, forgiving, people um, who are gracious, people who pray for and seek um, the welfare of those around us, people who miraculously occasionally put the needs and the well-being of others before ourselves. When we um, give, when we serve, uh, while it may seem tremendously mundane, uh, faithfulness in little things is not a little thing. We see before us this day Samuel, who was called um, into God's service uh, 
and we see um, for you and for me as well the wonderful opportunity and the recognition that God calls and speaks to you and to me as well, ultimately into a relationship with himself where we find life and into a service where we find our meaning. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are mindful of the words which we heard in the psalm, that you have searched us out and known us, that you have knit us together in the mother's womb, and we give you thanks uh, that you have given us life and pray that you would continually draw us together, uh, both collectively and individually to you, and that we might find in relationship with you and your service uh, the perfect freedom uh, that we long for. These things we ask ourselves, we offer now in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.